Red Grange joined us immediately after his last collegiate game against Ohio State. Yeah. And you say Shot City. Shot City. Shot City. Coming home again. Quick pitch to Walter. Looking for the record. Cuts back. He's got it. He's out of it at 25. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. You know what they say, that money calling, that money on the phone. Forget it. Nobody's going to get them. Long gone. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Bears on Tap. You can go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You could follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. I'm also joined alongside by my guys, Duke Coughlin at that pod guy, Duke and Brandon Suarez at beat on 300. Um, we have our injury report fan question deep dive on the Saints episode underway coming up for you. But gentlemen, first, how we doing? Uh, about as good as I guess we're going to be uh, kind of loading up for the Saints game. Um, it's not so much, I guess, necessarily. I don't think we can beat the Saints. It's just uh, our history against the Saints recently has not been great. So I don't know, man. I'm just ready for this team to put their meat on the table and uh, show us that they have what it takes to go far. Yeah, and I mean, with the news that has been coming out just this week and since the Rams game, it's really like, the lowest they've been this season, there would be nothing better to see than them to come out and get a victory on Sunday. But I honestly think it's definitely a uh, uphill battle and, and a tough task for this bears team, given the uh, circumstances. I never tell you guys how I'm doing. I always ask how you're doing, but never tell you how I'm doing. Um, obviously I missed the last episode. I had a case of like uh, some kind of sinus thing. We got tested me and my girl, both of us were sick. Everything came back negative. So we're gravy on that. Um, but that's kind of why I was gone the last episode. Um, but I mean, it's funny because my girlfriend, we're, we're feeling better today and she wakes up out of her sleep this, this morning. And it's just like, I want a Turkey leg. And I'm like, how random is that? So of course, then I end up going to the butcher shop and she's got this thing is, I think it's called a sous vide or sous vide. It's essentially a cooker where you fill up a huge thing of water and like have freeze dried products and you it like slow cooks it. Okay. So it like warms the water to like 170 degrees and it cooks it for like three hours till it's fall off the bone. You know, it cooks it from the inside out essentially. Um, and then you throw it like on a cast iron skillet to, to get the skin nice and crispy, whatever. Um, and that just kind of reminds me of Drew Brees because he is fully cooked. Um, and realistically, like, now don't get me wrong. There's, there's a lot of things that uh i mean i can smell it right now that's the only thing bro there was a lot of setup there i gotta give you that it's getting me no but i mean realistically it smells fantastic i'm gonna eat right after we finish recording um but no drew Brees, even though he may be cooked um i mean dude he's still drew Brees, and you gotta think sean payton has designed this offense for a while with a declining drew Brees. we all remember how uh i forget who it was maybe it was Taysom hill or or whatever, but someone came in and threw a Hail Mary for him a couple years back. So we know that Drew Brees' arm strength is not where it used to be. He's never really been a huge arm type of guy. He's always been a death by a thousand paper cuts type guy. Um, I mean, the blueprint's kind of out there. Uh, Sean 
or Sean McVay did a fantastic job against the Chicago Bears and slowing down their rush and finding a way to attack them and get easy yards against them um, and kind of play ball control. Uh, so I think, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been around long enough. They've run enough stuff. Um, Drew Brees can still move to the point where he can roll out and do things like that. So I feel like the blueprints out there and the Bears have a huge, huge, huge test. Um, but realistically, there's also the timing aspect of things. And Jimmy Graham, I just heard on the All Access show, Jimmy Graham got yelled at right away um, because he wasn't in the right spot at the right time. It was like a rookie moment with Drew Brees. Um, and, and you know, he shared, he shared this story essentially to Jeff Joniak saying how, like, Drew Brees is a very timing-oriented quarterback, get to the right spot at the right time, and uh, Duke's going to fill you in because they don't have a lot of the receivers, and that might kind of mess up their short game. So go ahead, Duke. Yeah, I guess with that, I will uh, start right with the Saints side of things because the uh, the Bears side of things is definitely a bit longer of a list. But uh, yeah, the uh, Saints are going to be without slant route Mikey, Michael Thomas. Um, he is going to be out with an ankle hamstring injury. Um, also a uh, big one, I think Bidon actually touched on it uh, when we last recorded. Marquez Callaway did not participate on Wednesday. He was limited this week. He's also going to be out. Um, backup guard center is out with a concussion, Nick Eason and, uh, Teron Armstead. He's been kind of uh, banged up this week, which is their starting left tackle. He looks like he's going to be good to go, but that should bode well for a guy in Robert Quinn who will probably end up facing him good portion of the night. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, that's two of Drew Brees like top Well, receivers. and Emmanuel Sanders is also still on COVID IR, so he will not be participating. So he's without his top two receivers. Yeah, well, you could honestly say top three with Callaway also not being in there, too, because yeah. he's kind of been a guy that's gotten uh, into the mix quite a bit. So really what Drew, Drew's going to have, Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris, that's going to be his two healthy receivers. I'm assuming they're going to end up signing people off practice squad. Um, that's probably going to be heard more near the actual game. Um, now to the Bears side of things. This is where uh, we have quite the list to this week. Um Shaq Howard, Ted Ginn, Jimmy Graham, they're all going to end up playing. They were listed earlier in the week, but uh, nothing too serious. I know a lot of people are uh, t- thinking about Rashad Coward and thinking, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. But anyway, let's jump to Eddie Jackson. Um, he is questionable right now, but he was a full participant on Friday. Um, obviously, he kind of tweaked his knee. You know, I think that was kind of like a like a moment for all of us on Monday, but it looks like he's going to be good to go. He's listed as questionable, but I'd imagine Eddie's going to end up playing. Um, Cole Komet was limited earlier in the week, but he was a full participant for Thursday and Friday. So he'll be good to go. Whether or not he plays more snaps or not, that's up for debate. Um, Cleo Mack, he did not participate Wednesday or Thursday, but he was limited on Friday and he is sitting at questionable. Um, if I was going to guess, I'd say he'll play, but he'll definitely be on a snap count. Expect to see a, quite a bit of Barcavius Mingo. Um, my boy, Sirach McManus, um, was limited participant Wednesday and Thursday. He was full go on Friday. He is questionable. Cordero Patterson did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. He's uh, dealing with a quad injury right now, and he was limited on Friday. So that will probably end up being a game time decision. He's also listed as questionable. Um, Allen Robinson has not participated all week. He was actually listed as questionable earlier in the day today on Friday, and he's actually listed as doubtful now. Um, hard to imagine Allen's going to end up playing, especially if it's something like a concussion where, um, you know, a guy like Malcolm Jenkins sitting over the middle. I almost think that would be a business decision on Allen Robinson's part. So um, expect to see some Riley Ridley and uh, 
Javon Wims, but I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, Jason Spriggs, uh, full participant all week. He'll be good to go if he sees the field. And Cody Whitehair is, has missed the entire week with a calf injury. He will be out. All right, so let's talk strategy now because realistically, the Bears are missing quite a few pieces. Um, and they're not used to that. They've been fairly healthy for most of, I mean, you know, on defense when they're missing a piece, it's kind of like that fill the next guy in and it works out. Um, but on offense, man, no A-Rob. And everyone talked about, and it's not a guarantee that A-Rob's not playing, but let's note also, he went back into that game. So I remember he was pleading with him, whatever. He went back into that game and then he came out. So now he's in the concussion protocol. I would be, I wouldn't be surprised either way if A-Rob plays, but realistically, a lot of people talked about what would happen if the Bears traded Allen Robinson or, you know, what is that? What does this offense look like without him? And we might actually have a chance to get a look at what, what it does look like. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, we have a fan question about it um, later, but a lot of people have been just dying to see what Riley Ridley has. I think a lot of people are just kind of upset with Anthony Miller and the way he's progressed, at least in this scheme. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're going to have a chance to actually see some guys play that we've been kind of calling for Alex bars. Not so much. Um, Rashad coward. We don't know. Maybe that'll sideline sideline him enough, um, to have Alex bars play, but they're already missing Cody Whitehair. So we're going to see Sam Mustafer at the center spot. And my like most optimistic view of this is hopefully Mustafer plays well enough to the point where they feel like he's a better center that then they feel like Rashad coward is a guard. So when Cody Whitehair comes back, they can slot him back in at left guard because he's able to play pretty much every position up and down the line, even as attack, like he's a emergency left and right tackle as well. So that's something that I want to say like silver lining wise, but beat on did um, Sam Mustafer and Alex bars. I know they played in the same on the same unit, but did they play next to each other with guards at or bars at tackle and, and Mustafer at guard or how did that work? If it, if that's how I remember it, yeah, that line itself like so basically they had at one time it was quentin nelson alex bars sam mustafer oh who are the other two it's gonna bother me that i can't uh mcclinchy i left yeah mcclinchy and uh the last guy is gonna kill me i don't know the line that they had at notre dame was arguably one of the best lines they had quentin nelson and mcclinchy on the same side yeah that's absurd yeah, they were on some fucking dog shit. Like, and that was when Harry Heastan was the coach. So, I don't know. I like the thing that the thing that me and Duke talked about earlier in the week um, about, and not necessarily has to do with Sam Mustafer, but Cody Whitehair is without James Daniels, this line like doesn't have the same push up front that it used to have, especially against like run fits. Um, or not, not run fits, pass fits. Run fits they're doing decent on, but like when it comes time to pass the ball, that pocket is closing quicker than Nick Foles has time to make the decision. I feel like this week it could be a good opportunity for them to get their feet in the ground. Me and Duke talked about it on uh, Wednesday. Like The pass rush is going to come mainly from guys like Cameron Jordan. It's going to come from the outside. It's not going to come from the middle and blow up the entire play like Aaron Donald last week. So it's a little bit of a different pass rush. Obviously, you're going to have a little bit of blitzing with uh, guys like Alex Anzalone and, and Demario Davis, but I feel like our line, regardless of how they've played before, should be equipped to pick up those blitzing linebackers, and even though they have a guy like Sheldon Rankins in the middle, I mean, he's not Aaron Donald. They should be able to not necessarily have their way, but be able to play 
uh, a game where they're 51, he's 49, and them doing better. One thing I wanted to say about um, the Saints, I don't know how active this is or how updated it is, but they do have quite a few receivers on their practice squad. I saw one, uh, little Jordan Humphrey, someone that played with them last year. Austin Carr, former Northwestern uh, graduate, someone that's played a few games, been a spot starter for them and and did real well at Northwestern. And then they had one more receiver on there. So I mean, it I wouldn't be the of. first ta- time a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback absolutely ripped us apart with. Oh yeah, and then Jawan Johnson, a bunch so they, of no names. They had a couple. Like, they have a couple receivers, at least from what I see on their practice squad. I I really would not want to see little Jordan Humphreys in the in the slot for the Saints, dude. Speed kills, and that guy was fat. That guy was just electric at Texas, man. I I didn't know that's actually where it currently was, but that guy. Um, I don't know. He's one of those very underlooked guys, but he's uh. Definitely a playmaker. Kind of reminds me of like a Cordell Patterson light. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's let's be real here. The the real threat out of that offense is Alvin Kamara. Like, and they are absolutely licking their chops, seeing what they were able to do with uh, what the Rams were able to do with Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown. They have a very, if if not a upgraded one two punch from that with Alvin Kamara and um and Latavius Murray. So let's be real here. Sean Payton. Like he smells blood in the water and that's going to be his game plan is to just rip us apart that way. Um, and to hit some, obviously some of those easy, quick out routes and slants and stuff like that. Go ahead, Duke. Yeah. You know, actually, you know, it kind of just popped in my head. I really wouldn't be surprised with their lack of wide receiver depth. If Kamara did take some snaps, like in the slot. Oh, he'll line up in the slot for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Kind of in the slot and have a guy like Latavius Murray sitting in the backfield, even maybe with a Taysom Hill with him back there. I mean, with injuries, I really feel like this is going to be the type of game where Sean Payton gets real creative with what he's doing on offense. Yeah. Like make no mistake. When I say Drew Brees is cooked, like he's cooked, but he can get the ball playmaker still. He still reads, you know, pre-snap, post-snap, extremely efficiently. Like he didn't lose his mind. His just his arm is not the same. And Sean Payton is nowhere near cooked. Um, so you're right. They have playmakers that they're going to be able to use. Listen, the Saints are going to get theirs. They're going to be able to put up 20, 24 points. Like there's no doubt about that. It's it's they had no problem running the ball with Latavius Murray when Alvin Kamara was out last year. So they're going to be able to get theirs. It's just how do they counter it? What type of big plays are they able to make? And the thing about Alvin Kamara as a receiver, either out of the backfield, I mean, like two minute drills, stuff like that. They absolutely depend on Alvin Kamara for everything, really a lot of leaky yards and stuff like that. But when you think about Alvin Kamara um, coming out of the backfield or in the slot, I feel like because you have such a good defensive backfield and because I like, I think that they're going to want to play a lot of man coverage and keep as many people in the box as possible. You know, if you really only got to contain one receiver, that's should be a number what four receiver. And he's now your number one. Like you should be able to handle their receivers with Kyle Fuller and um, Jalen Johnson. So if I was Pagano, I would just have Buster Scrine on Alvin Kamara all day long. Through like talking about whether, you know, De- uh, Danny Trevathan should ever be in that situation. Roquan Smith shouldn't even be in that situation. Put a nice shifty slot corner on him. I think you're going to be able to do um, a lot of damage. And that's only if the Bears are able to put up points and, and get this team trying to to strike from behind. Because that's that's the reality. When I say Drew Brees is crooked, if you get ahead on this team, there's no doubt he's going to be trying to check down underneath routes. They're not putting together very fast scores like they used to. Yeah. And that kind of plays into, uh, you know, especially with Michael Thomas being out this year, because that was a guy that um, Breeze used to be able to kind of dump it off to and he'd be able to make something happen after the catch. 
Um, that's a huge part of the offense. You know, I know I took a little bit of a shot at him, um, Ohio state guy, but, um, he's definitely a guy that, uh, changed the dynamic of this offense and having and not having him out there is, uh, that's going to make it different. And, you know, I know, I feel like I say this every week, but it's just so true with this defense. We just need to get pressure. You know, we need to get pressure to Drew Brees early and often kind of similar. Like we have, I really feel like we should look back at some film on kind of what we did against Tampa. Um, you know, kind of like with what Brady did inside the pocket, just really, really get him flustered early where he feels like he has to try to force something downfield. And that's where you get a guy like Drew Brees to make a mistake because, you know, even even the years that Drew Brees is breaking records for passing yards and stuff like that, he was still prone to have times where he would make mistakes. He's not perfect by any sense. Um, so that's really, I, it's really where I feel like our best bet is. Um, obviously we're going to, we'll end up getting into the offense a little bit, but I just, I don't have enough confidence in our offense to be able to put up a 24 or 20 points. So, um, I really think our, the best bet would be, uh, holding, holding the saints to like two scores whether that be a touchdown, a field goal or two touchdowns or whatnot, it's, and the only way I see us doing that is getting a breeze. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get that, but it's completely different styles. Like Bruce Arians likes to take shots downfield. We played a, a very play action outside zone oriented team last week in the Rams. And now you got a quick, like a very quick game, you know, Drew Brees, they won't even have to keep extra people in there. He's going to get the ball out of his hands in 1.5 seconds. You know, he doesn't want to get hit. I think that does kind of nail Bruce Arians offense quite a bit, but it still kind of feels like that Brady's not taking nearly as many deep shots as he was the past few years. And obviously Brady's going to have more, you know, targets that he can make those throws to. But I, I think with a guy like Jalen, with how tight he's been playing the receivers, and I think with how dangerous our secondary is in general and um, with not seeing Dion Bush on the injury report, I could see him also uh, kind of playing that sub linebacker where it makes it difficult for a guy like Bruce breeze to get that ball out quick, because I feel like we're going to be playing tight. We're going to be playing up. We're going to be really trying to cover a lot of the underneath because we're going to be, I, you know, like I said on the last pod, we're going to be daring breeze to beat us deep. You know, we're going to, I feel like we're going to give him opportunities down the field to try to be this deep and have a guy like Eddie Jackson kind of play center field. I really would not be surprised if we saw Dion Bush to Sean Gibson and Eddie Jackson on the field at the same time, quite a bit. I would actually like them to run a nickel package, especially with Kamara and their type of running attack. It's like you already have some of your linebackers, not really able to make plays in space and stuff like that. I feel like, go with a big nickel formation uh, as your base this week, or even the dime, like you were saying, because I just feel like, I mean, Deion Bush is actually lined up as a linebacker and sub. So there's no doubt, like he can come up, he can make plays like that. I, I don't hate the idea of that at all. Um, but just kind of like I was saying, like, it doesn't really matter. They could have a bunch of people out. They could have, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. They have Sean Payton. They have Drew Brees. They have their quick game. They have a ton of study on, you know, how our run games been exposed and stuff like that. And they also have ways to counter off of that because I mean, God, I, I hate to say it, but like, you remember how Vic broke the, um, the Rams offense. I feel like the Rams really did put out like a very good formula on how to slow us down. Like they used our aggressiveness against us and such a fantastic, like it was very methodical. There was never a drive where they weren't like, seemed like they were in control. And of course the bears will get theirs, um, as well on defense. But I mean, at the end of the day, 
there's no doubt Drew Brees is going to put up some points. Like they're going to, that's what that offense does. They're going to get there. So the bears offense, and that's what we're going to break down next. That's, they really have to be able to compete. The defense for the saints has not been terrific. They've been letting up points and stuff like that. They're, they're running defense is a lot better than their passing defense, which, you know, it's going to give Matt Nagy an excuse to only run the ball seven times, but I mean, realistically, there are opportunities to put up points, um, especially with our tight ends, man. We're talking about free Cole Komet. Like, dude, you got two huge dudes and you got some safeties that are struggling over there. Like, you're going to be able to work the seams of this. I see this being a huge Jimmy Graham game. Um, I would actually take his over prop, whatever his yardage is. Yeah, and uh, kind of one of the big things that uh, really kind of sounded sounded good to me, something I was reading on Twitter, is kind of the idea that we would see maybe some three tight end sets, you know, within the 20 yard line. Like if we do end up getting in the red zone, especially with a guy like Allen Robinson, if he doesn't end up playing, I think a guy like Jimmy Graham is a guy inside the 20 that could line up outside and still be a pretty good matchup. You know, whereas he wouldn't be like completely worthless on the outside, like on the 50 yard line or whatnot. But um, I think you set that up. You have a guy like Cole Komet be able to kind of take over the middle of the field and kind of, you know, be in that seam. And uh, I know as much as everyone hates Demetrius Harris, and I feel like we've all kind of dogpiled on him at this point, I think as a third option at tight end in a heavy set like that in the red zone is still kind of a good weapon to have. Um, is Matt going to do that? That's, that's the big question. I feel like that's the question every single week. You know, we could sit here and say some of the best ideas in the world, but it's not going to matter because Matt Nagy's going to do what Matt Nagy's going to want to do. So yeah, it's going to kind of be like a wait and see kind of process. You know, uh, Matt has said some of the right stuff this week. I will admit, you know, he has kind of, I, I wish he owned it a little bit more, but he has kind of like, insinuated that, you know, play calling might be something to pay attention to and something that could possibly be changing. Maybe not who's calling the plays, but the way they're calling plays. Um, he's also been raving about a guy like David Montgomery this week. So I don't know, maybe that means he tries running the football a little bit more. I'm not holding my breath on that, but it's really hard to just see players on offense be subtracted and really expect anything better than what we've been getting. Yeah. And when I say the saints are going to get theirs, um, the low, the lowest amount of points they've put up this year, if I'm not mistaken, is 24. Yeah. yeah Duke and I were saying the other day that they were going to, you know, 24, 28 is probably the, the, the basement for that team, regardless of how they get it. Like, I don't know. One of the, one of the points that I wanted to touch on that I'm glad that you brought up is I'm sure you got to that point of the episode the other day where I was visualizing Danny Trevathan trying to cover uh, Kamara. Yeah, no, I don't <laughs> visualize it. It's, he I'm did saying. actually. He did actually close. I his closed eyes my eyes. Visualize it. I, yeah, that that is that's who they're going to try and beat us with. And honestly, like we've seen it a lot recently over the last like year and a half, where they just straight lean on him. Like I don't have the percentage in front of me, but the guy comes to play every single Sunday. Some teams are better at keying in on him than others. But at the end of the day, like you cannot expect one of your linebackers to cover him for four quarters or even a quarter at that. I think ultimately for this matchup, we have to control the clock. We need to run the football. We need to keep the football out of Drew Brees hand. And eventually, like if you play him tight enough, like Drew Brees will make mistakes. He is at that point of his career where He's not perfect. I mean, he's not throwing the deep ball at the clip or the rate or the success that he was early in his career. Like Lucas said, he was never the best deep ball quarterback. But right now, the Saints have just as many injuries that we do. 
And the thing is, is they're just better at combating it than we are. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the Bears went into that game against the Saints pretty much full strength. And, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater lit the Bears up for lack of a better term. But defensively, man, they really got after us. And that's why I think the Bears really need to, you know, as Duke was saying, like, hopefully talk is cheap. Let's let's be real here. We still have yet to see Matt Nagy really make any kind of adjustments. And, you know, we have to be optimistic. He will. Um but you're not going to win a slobber knocker with the Saints. Like they, like we said, they are going to put up their points. There will never be an 18 to 12 game or something crazy where there's a safety and a two point conversion or it, it's just not, it's not going to happen. So realistically, the bears need to find ways to key in and get points. And like Malcolm Jenkins has been struggling their defensive backfield in general, they have players, but they have been struggling. Um, we have to be able to expose this. And, and as Brandon was saying, like, I think it was on the last episode or did you say it on this one, but you were talking about how Aaron Donald has that internal pressure. Their pressure will be coming off the edges. Of course they'll have uh, like inside stunts and stuff like that. But realistically, Cameron Jordan, you can easily wall off uh, an, an edge, uh, an edge defender a lot more. Like you see happen with Khalil Mack every, every single week, whether it's getting chipped by a tight end and a running back before they go out on their routes and then letting your tackle then handle them or whatever. Um, I mean, Duke, obviously, yeah, Khalil Mack gets held all the time, but realistically, Cameron Jordan does get home, but I was actually kind of had this thought cross my mind. How many sacks a year, like Cameron Jordan gets, gets his, uh, numbers pretty much every single year. Not, not so much this year, but that's also because the, the saints haven't been playing with ridiculous leads. How many sacks a year would Khalil Mack have if he played with an offense like the New Orleans Saints? I'm not even saying a really good defense. I'm just saying an offense that puts up points and puts the the opposing offense in a position where they have to throw the ball a lot. Well, we've talked about it on this podcast several times. It's playing complementary football. The Bears, for whatever reason, throughout their history, cannot play complementary football. And right now, even in the games that we've been able to win, like none of them were from whistle to whistle, I would say the best was the Panthers, but there was still even some so – you're never going to play a perfect game, especially in our eyes. We're as critical as, as they'll get. But what it's going to come down to on Sunday is at the end of the day, like the Bears are going to be able to get home from a pass rush perspective. They need to be able to block off whether you have to put a tight end, whether you have to put a running back out there to chip, whether you have to sit there in, in heavier packages and take a receiver off the field – to make sure that Cam Jordan isn't able to get home. Cause I don't think they're going to be able to do it from the middle. Like the Rams did. Yeah. And that's a great point. And uh, to kind of pick up off of the uh, complimentary football point, you know, I really think what makes a guy like Cam Jordan so effective and really any of the pass searchers on the saints is they know that offense will score so they can play more aggressive. You know, I hear a lot of complaints, you know, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's on, you know, a bears fan, you pass on the street. It's, they can't stand this bend don't break approach, but with in all honesty, with an offense that doesn't score points, we don't have a choice. Like we cannot be aggressive. That's why a guy like Cleo Max isn't going to get 17 sacks with us because we don't have an offense that can pick us back up. If we get a little bit aggressive, you know what I mean? So it is, it's, that's kind of what I see with the saints and why they are good at getting home. Especially a guy like Cameron Jordan is because the saints, no matter what, even on their down games, will get you like 24, 28 points. So that's really kind of the biggest difference that I see between kind of uh, that philosophy with both teams. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, I mean, uh, 
So that that's the thing, though. This the the offensive injuries are going to force some people to be seen that we haven't seen yet. I mean, and we did see a little bit of Sam Musfer. I didn't think he did a horrible job, realistically. After like watching back, I thought as a center he he did a decent job. I think he played center better than Rashad Coward plays guard. Realistically, I don't think that's hard. Yeah, I mean, and I think like that's why I have optimism about maybe when Cody Whitehair comes back, back Musfer can take over. Um, but yeah, you're going to see now that Allen Robinson isn't here. Like who, who's the guy that they're going to feed. They're going to have to go to somebody. We're going to find out who our true number two is. Obviously I think they're going to try to get Darnell, the Mo- Darnell Mooney, the ball as much as possible. Um, but I mean, realistically, are we going to finally get a Riley Ridley appearance? Like if Cordell Patterson is out, who's going to be the number two running back? Is it going to be Ryan Nall? Like, or are we going to activate Lamar Miller or are we going to, you know, activate um, Artavius Pierce? Like, what exactly is going on with like, I just feel like, you know, Duke kind of brought it up. Is there starting to become a disconnect with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace? Because it just seems like there are some guys on the roster and like, you just keep trying to beat this drum with the offensive line and not switch anything up. It's like, are all these guys really that bad? Like if, if that's the worst out there, then why isn't Ryan Pace picking someone up? Is George McCaskey tying Ryan Pace's hands? Like, you know, because Quentin Spain just, just left the market Obviously they haven't, you know, I think the trade deadline is what this, this week or next week. Is it this? Uh, it's, I, I think, think it's next week. It's approaching very, very quickly. Um, and they haven't tried to make a trade for a guard. Um, so it just seems like someone's hands seem to be tied. Cause it just, it, there's not a lot of it. it no one's it. November 3rd is the trade deadline. Okay. So that's on Tuesday. Yeah. And yeah. Um, also go and vote if you haven't. Um, but realistically, yeah, the trade deadline is the same day as election day. So if they're not going to try to make a move, that means Ryan Pace feels like there's something on that practice squad or on that roster that can, that can make something happen. So it's like at, at least shuffle the deck a little bit, like something help, help him out. Like I just listened to that Kyle Long interview um, on Redline radio. And he talked about the specifics of Charles Leno, like not being, he he's a solid piece, but only if he has that help, like he, you can't expect him to do more than he's supposed to. Like he can only help what he has. So it's like, he needs something really stable next to him at left guard. And it's just like, if left guard is our weakest spot, then it also makes a guy that also kind of depends on his interior look a lot worse. So it's like, why not even at least try to move Jermaine Effetti over to the left side and see if Massey does a little bit better on his own on the Island. Cause it just seems like it, it, it's not working and they have to fucking do something, something different. Well, you know, and that's, that's kind of like we were talking about, like how we kind of, how we want we want them to get creative. I think we might've covered it in the pre-show. I know we covered the pace and naggy thing in the pre-show, but um, where, where's like the creativity on the offensive line? Like this is something we saw with, with every head coach before Matt Nagy, we saw different players playing in different positions. You know, I feel like we talked about it, what a week or two ago, where when you're in the NFL, you're an offensive lineman and you fit where you you know, you fit you find a place and you fit. If it's a situation, you know, and that interview with Kyle Long was very telling in a lot of different ways. Um, if, if it's a situation where you feel like Charles Leno needs someone better on the right side of him, and you don't think you're getting that from left guard, what, how much can it really hurt to try putting Charles Leno inside? Even like, a fucking put him, series. 
Yeah, and put him in next to a guy like Cody Whitehair, where obviously we were talking about how Cody Whitehair struggled against a guy like Aaron Donald, but Co- I don't think it's any for any dispute that Cody Whitehair is probably our best offensive lineman when he's healthy right now. Um, why not try adding that? And then why not see what we have in a Jason Spriggs? You know, why hasn't Alex Barr's gotten more uh, snaps, you know? And that's why I don't want to sit here and speculate. You know, I know that's kind of our deal. Uh, but you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist as Lucas accuses me of every once in a while, but, uh, man, I just, there's just something going on here, man. It really does feel like there's like a disconnect with how this roster is being built with compared to how this roster is being used. And it's, it's really going to be interesting to see how it goes moving forward, especially after this trade deadline. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, even Alex bars, um, they've tried him out in the preseason at left tackle. Like just, just try to do something. I feel like it's, you know, the definition of his insanity is doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, the bears need to run the ball They're If they're worried about getting Nick Foles hurt, they need to make sure that they move the pocket more. They need to make sure to run the ball more because realistically, like this guy is taking cracks very often because he's a very willing uh, quarterback. I mean, you could tell he's a straight up soldier. He's, he's willing to hang into the, uh, hang in the pocket until the last minute and just fling it. So it's just, you know, it's a gift and a curse, but realistically behind a, a unstable O line, like you understand why people are kind of thinking is Mitch a better option at this point? Um, because just how rough the O line has been playing. Go ahead. Be done. Yeah. And one thing I want to say is I have a, I got to say sorry to Charles Leonard. I have a newfound respect for him after hearing what Kyle Long said about him at the beginning of his career. But, I mean, with the offensive line at this point, like, what do you have to lose by signing someone new or by going out and picking someone up? Like, at this point, are we really going to sit here at 5-2 and and let the circumstances of our team define our season? Are we going to go out there and do something about it? That's, like, where I'm at with it. And, until they actually execute, whether it's whether it's uh, putting somewhere in somebody in a new spot or trying a new you know unit, we see throughout the league teams trying different variations of their five week in and week out. So why have we not changed anything? Like like, like listen, it, simply put, there's injuries along the offensive line for every single team every single year, and one injury doesn't make them fall off a fucking cliff. The Bears have never been able to run the ball. I'm strictly convinced it has nothing to do with personnel at this point. Like I, I think the bears definitely don't have the greatest offensive line, but look at Kansas city. They're missing like half their fucking O line. They still have no problem averaging like four and a half yards a clip. Like it's not like Clyde Edwards Hilaire is so much better than Dave Montgomery. You know what I mean? It, it just, it, at the end of the day, there's no threat from the passing game realistically. And there's no threat from the running game because you know, at the end of the day, like Nick Foles is a statue back there. All you're going to have to do is get some pressure on him, bring some extra guys. Um, you're not going to be able to, you know, cover the quick outlets. It's been seen like there was a play last week where they tried to hit Cordero Patterson on a, um, on a wheel route. And the Rams were absolutely all over it. Cause they know if you bring too much pressure, he's going to go to his outlet. He's smart enough to do that. And all you got to do is cover that. So realistically the bears have to, to make changes. Um, in a whole, in a, in a variety of ways, it, whether it's signing someone, trying something different as beat on and all of us are saying, um, but yeah, they're going to have to find a way to put up like 28 points this week. If they even want to have a chance to win, it just really comes down to that. Well, yeah. And you know, look at it this way, um, to your point where if one player goes down, it makes an entire offensive line, um, be affected. All right. So the Washington Redskins still 
averaged over 100 rushing yards a game. Do you know who their starting right tackle was last week? Cornelius Lucas. Does that name ring a bell? Because that was the yeah, guy he stepped that stepped in for Massey last year. He actually played decent too. Yeah, and like that's not that's not a guy that a lot of people would consider like a starter caliber offensive lineman in this league. You know what I mean? He's a guy that can come in in a pinch and maybe play well, but. The point is, is there wasn't that much of a fall off compared to what Washington was doing before compared to what Washington was doing with a guy like that in there. And that should, that's, that's what, you know, that's a really good point they made Lucas. There should not be that fall off. Like a guy like, um, you know, a guy losing a guy like James Daniels, like, obviously that's a big loss, but that shouldn't be like end of the season type of fall off, you know, losing a guy like Kyle long last year, that shouldn't have been an end of the season type of fall off. You know, so there is, I, you know, I really don't think this is, it's starting to look more and more like this isn't a personnel issue. It's looking more and more like we're not making an attempt to run the football. So teams aren't respecting to run against us at all. Well, and yeah, where are the Eric Cushes? Like where are the Brian Witzmans? Where are these like just random ass dudes that are veterans that have been the Ted Larson's like, where are these guys that could just, you know, can get the job done. Like they're, they're out there. There's no doubt they're out there. Um, you know, and like I said, scrape practice squads, you have grades on players. There had to be someone that got drafted uh, to a team like the Ravens or to a team with a very steady offensive line that has, you know, didn't have room for an extra offensive lineman that they drafted in the sixth round that you had a fourth round grade on. So he got slipped to the practice squad through waivers, like go fucking pick him up, go pick anybody up or make a switch. Like, don't, don't tell us Rashad Coward's the best you can do. Cause it just, it's, it's not, it's not at this point. Like there's no chance it is. Um, and at the end of the day, like the bears do, they, they had some unluckiness pretty much since the Colts game, they've played a ton of top 10 defenses. So it's like there, I think that the end is in sight. Um, you know, Tennessee next week, their, their defense isn't that good. So they should be, they, now they could put up fucking points, but, um, their defense isn't very good at all. So the, you know, things should lighten up a little bit. It's not like the bears are playing garbage. You know what I mean? It's not like the giants are doing this to them. It's not like the Falcons are doing it to them. It's, it's some quality defenses. Yeah, man. And, uh, I guess really the final point that I'll make here. Um, I, I it looked like you were signaling to me. Uh, the fi- final point I really make here is I just don't think anything on offense should be off the table. I think we're at the point where you have to look at where we're ranked in the league on offense. And this idea that we have to continue doing anything that we're doing right now should just be kind of thrown out the window. Like let's, why not at this point, you know, like what do we have to lose by going and signing somebody off the practice squad? What do we have to lose to try something different on offense in general? Yeah. And even a, a change of pace back, like whether it's Artavius Pierce or L- Lamar Miller, like Cordero Patterson is a fast back, but or he's a fast player, but you have to get him into, into top speed first. He's not accelerating from shotgun and getting himself into top speed or by the time his, you know, he's coming out of that pitch, like get someone that accelerates quickly, get someone like a Tariq Cohen, like go pick up Kareth white again. He's probably on a practice squad somewhere. Like go get someone to be a, a change of pace back. It's, it's just that simple um, because what's happening right now is not working. Well, yeah, and I, I think you brought it up and we brought it up, you know, earlier in the week on the episode that we had. And I think what they have to do is go out there and grab Lamar Miller and bring him up from the practice squad. It doesn't make sense to me that he has not been brought up to this point. There's zero reason on God's green earth that someone who has made 
I believe, two or three Pro Bowls. Someone who may not be as quick as Tariq Cohen, but who possesses a similar skill set where, hey, you can throw that little route where you – Lucas, your favorite route. I don't even know what to call it. So a little running back flat route. Just put him in the flats and let him make something happen. Like, Lamar Miller was the king of doing that when he was with the Dolphins, when he was with the Texans. I know we're not getting the same athlete, but again, especially in a week like this, are we really going to put Ryan all out there at second string? Like, is that really what we're going to do as a team? Because Lord knows nobody wants to see the Cordero Patterson experiment anymore, except for the one Twitter guy who called for it at the beginning of the year. And that's about it. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, dude, nothing should be off the table. What do we have to lose at this point on offense? What do we have to lose? I don't, it feels like the only significant change we've made besides injuries is the quarterback. And obviously it just goes a lot deeper than that. You know, the, we just need, we need to just try something different. Like Lucas, what did you say early in the year that used to drive me nuts about this offense? There's no fucking identity, bro. Thank you. And that's exactly it, dude. There is no identity to this offense. So why are we going to continue trying to push this identity of something we're not? And why not try to build something that we are? Because this defense mixed with an offense that can score points, I will still put my meat on the fucking table and say it. This team can still fucking go to the playoffs and win in the playoffs. We need to be able to score points. I don't give a shit how we do it. I don't care if we run the fucking wishbone. We need to be able to score points. We need to try something. We need to throw shit at a wall until something sticks. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like you say wishbone, but why not? Like, why not a two back set, dude? Why? Like, why not? I know we don't have two backs back there or two backs on the roster at this point, but why not just try something a little bit different? Um, but, you know, that's kind of uh, – Bears need to find – Matt Nagy always says, and even Nick Foles said it, you know, teams try to find their identity. And the Patriots, you've seen it a million times. They really don't start heating up till November. And, and teams like that, like the defense is figured out, obviously. That's no problem. If you start putting up points and getting a league, that defense is going to be top five. No doubt, zero questions asked. I mean, Robert Quinn, we're feeling the effects of him every single week, whether it's, he's on a stat sheet or not, like he's very noticeable, even though Leonard Floyd got his revenge and had his two sacks, I still would take Robert Quinn 12 times out of 10. But, um, realistically when, like, when you think about it, they say it's just one game and it clicks like that's it. It, it clicks after one game. And I just hope to fucking God that game happens with enough time where this team doesn't take a little bit of a downward spiral and get themselves back to 500 or something like that. Got to go ahead and nip it in the butt. Got to go ahead and take care of the saints. I think it's definitely possible. Um, I'll be slamming a money line this week. I know I said I wasn't going to, but I will be like, you can't, you can't not give me the bears plus plus one eighty. Um, and it's going to be cold as fuck too. So that should play into things for the Chicago bears um, with drew Brees being very dome efficient and stuff like that. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to our, Fan questions. This one is from Shrey Desai 1217. S H R E Y D E S A I 1217. Why can't Nagy do any normal play calls? Do any normal play calls? Do screens or quick high percentage passes not exist? I mean, I think we see him try to attempt some of these quick high percentage passes, you know, like, but it's a lot of curl routes and stuff like that. I don't think we see nearly like with the speed we have with Darnell Mooney, there's zero reason why we shouldn't have this guy running drag routes every single time. He's not going deep. Like, you know what I mean? Um, stop with the long. I mean, I, I get where you're going with that because 
it's very clear that that a lot of these pass plays are are long developing and, and the time isn't there. So find a way to adjust it and find a way take a page out of Sean Payne's book. You know what I mean? Work that quick game. Work your receivers out of the or your running backs out of the backfield. You saw what uh, Carolina was doing with Curtis Samuel. Why can't you put Darnell Mooney or Anthony Miller in the backfield? Like obviously. Uh, Anthony Miller is not a great um, example. You can't drop the ball, though, if they hand it off to you. It's just a fumble. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, they were having trouble on the edges. Because the, the, I, I agree with you 100%, my man. Like, the biggest problem that um, that Los Angeles was having with, with the 49ers was the edges and getting attacked on the edges and stuff like that. Like, why don't you have Darnell Mooney run straight up out of shotgun lined up as a fucking running back and have, just give him a quick like pitch or something like that. And so he's able to get to the side very quickly. Like, I just don't, I don't understand. Um, you know, there was a lot of creativity in the offense in year one and it just seemed to completely go away. Like after we got punched in the mouth a couple of times, it just seems like Nagy's just trying to hold on for fucking dear life. Yeah. And I think you put it perfectly. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the week. There's no reason with the receivers that we have and the skill sets that they have that we don't attack the middle of the field. We don't attack those linebackers that have trouble getting in coverage. We don't do anything really with our running backs out of the backfield. We don't hand up. We don't hand the ball off to them. We don't throw the ball to them as much as we should. This offense has become even a shell of itself from earlier in the season, like earlier in the season, like there was still a lot to be left on the table, but they were at least putting up more points. And right now they seem to have just hit, I guess you would say like uh, a stalemate that right now they need to sit down and really figure out what works. And they need to, we've talked about this for seven weeks, that script at the beginning of the game, like they have not, they don't, they never, except for the Carolina game, which they got the ball in plus territory. They never can just put together a drive on the first uh, drive of the game and go out there and score right away. And that, that's how you start the game. And that's, then that's what they specialize to in 18 as well. Like they always scored on that fucking scripted drive. Either it was three or seven in 2018. I think that was a big part of why the defense yeah. played so fucking well, because it gave them a chance to be aggressive. Um, I mean, Duke, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, man, I'll keep it short and sweet. And, uh, you know, it's kind of some of the stuff that I was talking about on last week or on uh, the pod earlier in the week, the bears average 84.1 rushing yards per game, which is at the very bottom of the league. I legitimately do not believe we will see much creativity from the past game until we get the run game going. So I don't think things like screens and plays quick out of the hands are going to really do much because we can't effectively run the football. And uh, complimentary football is a real thing, as my boy Bidon says. And uh, until we can effectively run the football, I'm looking at all the teams that are down here with us. None of them can effectively throw the football either. All right. We got time for two more. Next one is from Garrett from Iowa at that tag. Why is Nagy obsessed with thinking a play that hasn't worked 86 times in the game is going to work the 87th time, i.e. screen passes versus Tampa? And yes, I'm aware my numbers are hyperbole. I mean, I think we got to figure out, does anyone have Miss Nagy's number? Like we got to, we got to get someone a little bit closer to the source. I think realistically, he's just trying to, um, I don't know. Maybe he thinks that the continuity, eventually something will break. Maybe he's seeing something on fucking on film where he's like, oh man, if we just get this one block, if we're able to get Rashad Coward to this one fucking defensive back and not have him get juked out of his fucking shoes, like maybe we could break this for an 80 yard run. Like. I, I don't I don't know exactly what his, <laughs> his thought process is, but I know it's not fucking clear at this moment. 
So I'll say it real quick. I don't know if you've heard of the law of big numbers, but they bring, I I learned it in my math class in school. And, and again, not a math guy. We've seen me try to calculate points per game, yards per game, whatever, never on point with that, but use it in, in this term, you know, just because you're trying something more times does not mean you're going to be successful more times, regardless of how good or bad you are at said thing, zero guarantee in that. We see that a lot in baseball. And I mean, just on the opposite end of that, I feel like rarely when we do have something that is working, we don't just pound the shit out of it. Like the only time we really did that is in Tampa with the wheel routes, like out of the backfield. Otherwise, like if something is working, just fucking keep doing it, dude. Like you don't have enough stuff that works to try to counter. I feel like Nagy tries to counter off of his fucking move way too quick. It's like do it a couple times, make them suck up, make them really fucking commit to that one play that worked and then have something squeaking out of the backside, like a Darnell Mooney drag. Yeah, dude. Um, it was always kind of a play that we would run on my high school football team. When we were running the wing T dude, power, right. If they couldn't stop power, right. They were in for a long night. We used to say that every single week because we would not stop running that play until teams could stop it. Most of the time they couldn't do what works. But, um, you know, that, that makes so much sense. Just a bunch of fucking cord fed Wisconsin boys, like playing the wing T and fucking varsity football, just like pounding it down your throat. Like that's dude, fucking nuts. It was, dude, it was four so went much out fun. for Wisconsin football, bro. I feel so bad for my guy, Duke. They finally get their quarterback, the guy that they've been waiting for, for years. And then this happens to them in the season. I think they had a real chance to win the big Ten. Yeah, I was, what uh, happened? Talk- I was talking about it with one of my coworkers. Uh, there's like 12 people who just got COVID. Oh, uh, we just got the Nebraska game canceled or at least postponed. Still kind of waiting on what we're hearing with the updates with it. I did hear some positive news. I'm not going to jump too far into it, but I heard uh, the 21 day rule. They were trying to implement on Graham at first. They're going to probably try to shorten it two weeks. So hopefully he won't actually miss a game. Um, but yeah, I guess to kind of clear up this question on my end of it, man, I think it comes down to ego. I think Matt is proud. He just does not seem like someone who likes to admit when he's wrong. And uh, instead of admitting he's wrong and changing what he's doing, it seems like he would rather just beat his head against the wall. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I know. I, I know I sound like a dick and I'm not trying to be negative and I'm not trying. No, to be- it's fucking it's the evidence is there. Like they're like, we've tried the hypothesis. The control is there. And I feel like all we keep doing is the fucking control. There's no experiment. It's just like, let's, let's just keep doing the control and the control is getting us nothing. If you yeah. guys are science guys, I don't know. B Don's not. Yeah. I don't know. I think at the end of the day, Lucas, it comes back to that statement that you had about insanity. It's like, how many times are we going to do the same thing and expect a different result? We're at year three, year three of the project. It's time to, put our money or put our money where our mouth is and make it happen for this fan base, for the players in that locker room. And I, and at the end of the day, we know Matt Nagy wants to win. We know Ryan Pace wants to win. It's not like these guys go out there and lose on purpose, but there's something wrong with your process right now. And we're, I mean, if you go out there and fix it and rewrite the narrative, none of us are going to be bitching about it. So I, I mean, at the end of the day, you just, you got to go out there and, it may sound simple. It may sound meathead, but just do your job to the best of its ability. And if that means that you have to go in there and do stuff that you don't like and change things around for the betterment of the team, then you got to do it. What do you have to lose? Nothing at this point, realistically, only games that are probably going to be losses anyway, unless you fucking figure it out. So, um, 
let's move on to our last question because I really like this one actually. Um, I know how Duke's going to react, but this is from Marty Lavelle at, at Marty L A H V E L L E. Would this team win a Super Bowl with Jay Cutler under center? Duke, I'll let you take this away. Um, as much as I want to say yes, I really do not think Matt Nagy and Jay Cutler would gel. I did, bro. If Matt Nagy told Jay Cutler to be you, like Jay Cutler is going to go tell him to go fuck himself. I'm sorry. Just put an insulin needle in his eye. Yeah. Like, dude, there's just, that's just not, that just would not be the move to happen with this, with this personnel, man, a Rob and Jay Cutler would make beautiful fucking music together. And especially with a guy like Jimmy Graham over the middle, um, you know, he and, would and fucking love Jimmy Graham, dude. It Jay, would be six guys draped on Jimmy. He's talking. Jay about. Cutler has. Um, I remember them. I remember them asking Jay Cutler out of any player on this Bears offense, who would he love to play with the most? And he said Tariq Cohen. So that's a guy that he would also like to get involved in an offense like that. Um, yeah, man. I don't think we'd be able to win it with Nagy winning plays, but that's also because I'm on some weird little Matt Nagy hate boner right now. But uh, yeah, Jay Cutler with this personnel and this defense, dude, I really think they would be able to make a run. With the way the NFL is set up, you know, currently how a quarterback like Jay Cutler, dare I say, the way he was slinging it out there, kind of Mahomes-esque, but at the end of the day, like he was throwing Did you just fucking say that? <laughs> I was waiting for Lucas's fucking face. It took he a second for, for like 4,000. He threw it for like 4,400 a year, but... The defense couldn't catch a cold. They couldn't stop anyone. So we well, couldn't. Are you talking about Jay Cutler? Because he threw for 4,000 yards once in his career, and it was in Denver. Huh? It don't, don't matter. None of don't this matters. matters. Listen, this is what would happen, okay? Jay Cutler would be on this roster. They'd probably be a little bit better offensively. But what would happen is the offensive line wouldn't be good enough. So then everyone would blame the offensive line and say the offensive line wasn't good enough. So then we'd start putting money on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense would then start to fucking fumble. The offense still wouldn't be great. And we'd go into a five-year downturn where we end up dressed, drafting another Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, Bro. realistically, it would be this, it would be like recycled. It would be the same fucking cycle in a circle. Cause you Hell. remember with Cutler, it was first, it was the fucking offensive line. Then it was the fucking receivers. Then when all that got put together, he got himself B Marsh, his guy from Denver. As soon as that got put together, what happened? Well, then there was no money left on the offense or on the defensive side of the ball. And a team that usually got carried by a defense was no longer able to be carried by their fucking quarterback. Um, who's much better on Instagram than he is at football, but that's just my two cents. We fired Lovey Smith after a 10 and six season. And I'll fucking die on the hill. That being one of the stupidest moves we've ever made, man. I really think that was it. But uh, dude, without jumping into another goddamn Jay Cutler argument with Lucas, because this is just going to be like the I kind of made it so I'd have to uh, my my word would be the last one heard. So no, cause... no, it's it's cool. You're probably going to edit me out anyway. But um, I will say, dude, like how much would you pay to watch Jay Cutler just chew out fucking either Charles Leno or Rashawn Coward? Like, come on. I mean, fuck, dude, just just put up. points. I can just see him sitting back there with like a Marlboro 27, like behind his ear, just like shit happens every day, B. Yeah. All right. Real quick. Score predictions. Beat on go. Oof. Meat on the table. Bears 27. Saints 21. Oof. Okay. 
Oh, man, I got 17-14, and I'll give it in favor of the Bears, I guess. Eddie, so Jackson, be- Eddie Jackson will score one of those touchdowns. I'm not calling my shot, though. Yeah, obviously, um, you know, we said that the Bears were pretty much all picking a score that we feel like the Bears would be able to win by. Um, obviously, none of us really think the Bears are going to go in and handle, but we're, we're willing to be surprised, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I think realistically, the Bears, like, like I said, if Matt Nagy is willing to work the middle of the field against this fucking defense, he should have no problems putting up points. Every other team in the league has put up points on the new Orleans saints. So there's absolutely no reason while they do have a very good running defense. There's no reason why the bears can't put up points. That being said, I think the bears go ahead and take this one 28 to 24, just because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 28, 24. I like that. And realistically, the way that's going to happen is the bears are going to get out to, and they're going to get the ball first. They're going to fucking score. And then they're going to end up getting like a nice little three and out short field position, put up a little Cairo Santos field goal. Then you're up 10. You're able to play this game. Um, Otherwise, if they don't get out to an early lead, they're, they're fucked. Let's just be real here. Yeah. Yeah, That's the motto score on the first drive and let the chips fall where they may. But this is a team that you cannot afford to fall, you know, behind to. And, and like you said, Lucas, if we can put a lead on them, they have had plenty of games where they've had to battle back. Our defense isn't built like that. We ain't letting that happen. Well, and that's where the whole Drew Brees is fucking in a slow cooker comes down to. Like, I've seen our multiple, and I mean, don't get me wrong, you have to keep it with, like, out of reach for those, like, four minute drives or whatever at the end of the game, because I've seen multiple drives where Drew Brees is trying to dive, drive him down at the end of the game, and he's not willing to put up the deep ball, but he just checks it down, checks it down, checks it down. Eventually, they get their way. You know, Alvin Kamara is just a fucking magician. He finds his way to the, the sideline every single time and stops the clock after a 13 yard gain type thing, which has been fantastic for my fantasy team. But looking, you know, for this week, it's uh bears got to be disciplined both sides of the ball. They got to make sure to put up points. Um, but that's all we got for you today. We will be back on Sunday, probably around like seven o'clock or seven 30, whenever, whenever it ends, you know, we just need an hour after to get it up. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. We are bears on tap. Go ahead and follow us at that tag. Also follow on tap sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs, or you can go ahead and visit um, on tap sportsnet.com for we have everything Chicago, you know, Cubs, White Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls. A lot of news is starting to come out. Um, I don't even know the fucking the new manager's name, dude. What's his name? Wait, Tony. What? Oh, Tony, Tony LaRusa. Yeah, everyone's fucking pissed about that. Bro, I'm not, about it. not even touching that fucking piece because everyone is so just. Either way, dude, they're so just fucking pissy about it. What's up? Can I get my piece real quick? Your boy will be at Husky Stadium on Wednesday reporting live from the 305 for the game. On tap Sportsnet is credentialed to be in the building for the game. The Huskies take on Buffalo. They're going to be on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. There ain't going to be nobody in the stadium, for look. so look out for your boy beat on on ESPN2. Yeah, and um, definitely, I'll definitely be doing that, no doubt about it. Um, and yeah, go ahead and make sure to follow Huskies on tap. Uh, if you're an NIU fan or if you just, you know, like our fucking content, cause we put our meat on the table. Also go ahead and follow my guy Duke at that pod guy Duke. Um, yeah, I just want to do a big shout out to, uh, the guys over at the bear essentials podcast. They're at dub bears pod on Twitter. I'm going to be actually joining their post game show on Sunday after I'm done recording with the boys here. So, uh, be sure to go check that out. Yeah, and um, of course, that was Duke. You can go ahead and follow him at that pod guy, Duke. Also, follow 
Brandon at beat on 300. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. Again, we are bears on tap and go ahead and follow us at that handle. Thank you guys very much. Bear down. Hopefully we get you a nice W podcast on Sunday. <laughs>